Murder and Moonshine, a true crime podcast with a southern twist. Hey guys, welcome back to Murder and Moonshine. This is Christy. And I'm Misty. And me and Christy have already. Well, we, we, we we've did. had to sample the salted caramel moonshine for poison. Okay. Today is my birthday. It is her birthday, so that it's is why we celebrate. It's my birthday, and I'll drink if I want to. Oh, wait. I drink even when it's not my birthday. <laughs> but today is a good a day as any, yes. right? So, um, <clears throat> I'm not sure it was the smartest decision on my <laughs> part, since I am telling the story today. Thank God. Because um, <laughs> my lips are already a little numb. Mm. So, I want you guys to bear with me as we get through this fucking terrible story. This is probably one of the worst we've done. Well, so we know you like the worst of the worst. I Oh, I do. I really do. I know. So we have um, decided to use the salted caramel. Number one, it just it just fucking tastes good. But this is a salty story. Caramel has a sweet finish. We we can stall. <laughs> you see, it's going to be a long one, guys. I hope that you hang in there because I don't know where this is going to go. <laughs> okay. We can start salty. And in sweetly. Yes. That's what we like I to do. D- I do have some comforting, for those of you who love to see murderers get theirs. Oh, I God. do have some comforting information at the end of this. So, thank God. You know, just thank hang God. in there with us. Um, but until then, we're going to take a... A, a look, beginner look, shot? Blah, blah, well, blah. <laughs> a beginner we're gonna shot? Go, yeah, we're going to do a beginner well, shot. Well, it's not a beginner when you've already drank half a bottle. So. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In You're case right. y'all that wanted is to know the salted caramel. caramel. <laughs> the salted caramel. Oh, God. We oh. are going to. The Smith Creek salted caramel <laughs> moonshine is really good. <laughs> I think we need to start. <laughs> We're doing <laughs> Okay. This Smith Creek moonshine salted caramel. It's really good, in it, case you wanted to know. It really is. In we had to check it wondering. for poison. Mm. I mean, you know. So I say let's go ahead and, and, and just down another one. Let's do in it. In honor. Okay. Let's do it. Cheers, bitches. Mm. Mm-hmm. I love caramel. Oh, that is good. Oh, that's smooth. So the only thing I know, what what's this guy's name? His name is Jerry Brutus. Jerry Brutus. The only thing I know is that he's obsessed with shoes. So, over the past couple of days, I've been trying to reach way down into the deep parts of my brain mm-hmm. to try to figure out any reason that a man with a penis would get erect over a shoe. And I haven't been able to come up with anything. So I'm hoping you're going to clear Bitch, that up for me. There today. are bitches that get wet over the Eiffel Tower. Like there is I'm sorry, what? Yes. Yes. Where did you find this information? <laughs> I need to do, I need to verify cuz I don't know if that's true. You know what? I'm going to google it real quick. Hang on. Pause. Okay, so we we have a definition. Yeah, yeah we have a definition here. Um <clears throat> it is called objectophilia. 
Individuals described experiencing emotional, romantic, and or sexual feelings towards inanimate objects or structures. And I watched a documentary, and I cannot remember the name of it, but it was a few years ago where this woman, she actually wanted to marry the Eiffel Tower. (laughs) Like, (laughs) I don't... (laughs) I need yeah. someone to explain this to me. And I feel like maybe if she wasn't being followed by a camera crew, that she would have just went over there and, like, been hoonching on the leg of Like, it. just hump the Just dry tower. humping the fuck out of the <laughs> Eiffel Tower. The only object I've ever enjoyed is a vibrator. Like, a natural. A silicone one <laughs> is yeah. what you're saying. I mean, like, a natural. Yeah. A natural inanimate object <laughs> natural sexual oh god guys we are gonna get through it i swear to god but yes she did want to marry the eiffel tower so that's that's some real shit so apparently jerry brudos has some objectophilia (laughs) objectophilia objectophilia i have a feeling he's gonna ejecto in some oh objects i bet them heels are sticky as fuck yeah yeah. So while we're talking about that kind of shit, let me tell you the trigger warning here. <clears throat> we have necrophilia. Mm. We have strangulation. We have rape. We have bondage. We have kidnapping. If any of that you're not okay with, we completely understand. That's we hope a lot. you check us out again. This is a lot. That is a lot. There are also some body parts that are removed. So oh, that's a lot. Yeah, yeah. So, if it's not for you, please come check us out again. Maybe there'll be a softer one, or, you know, you can just listen to us drink. It's whatever you want to do. We appreciate you. Come drink with us. (laughs) All right. So, let's dive in to Jerry motherfucking Brudos. Jerry Brudos. Mm Mm-hmm. Jerry Brudos was born Jerome Henry Brudos on January 31st, 1939 in Webster, South Dakota. His parents are Henry and Eileen Brudos. He had an older brother named Larry. Now, the family moved around a lot. They bounced back and forth between California and Oregon before they finally settled in Salem, Oregon. His mother was hoping for a girl since, in her mind, she already had the perfect son. So, Jerry's mother didn't like him from the get-go. And she made it very, very obvious. Oh, here we go. That's where She wanted a girl. Yeah, she wanted a girl. She was a horrible, horrible person. I don't know why you would do this to your kid. But she did. She made it very well known that she wanted a girl and not Jerry. Mm. So, she was very critical and very domineering with Jerry. But with Larry, she was very warm and supportive. She would actually try to embarrass Jerry by making him wear girls' clothes. And then she would throw praises at Larry. So, Jerry felt like he was a piece of shit from the get-go. Well, his mother had a, did right. a good job of making him feel that exactly, way. Exactly, exactly. So, when Jerry was five years old, he was playing in a junkyard near his house. Because his mom didn't give a shit where he was. Like, you know... Who lets, do you know all the dangerous shit in a junkyard? In a junkyard. You got a five-year-old over there. You know what you can contract? But she didn't give a fuck. She was like, I don't know. He's around here somewhere. (laughs) And he's playing in the fucking junkyard, and he finds a pair of old patent leather stiletto heels. Well, it makes sense that he would like those because his mother's made him wear girls' clothing. Well, he had never seen shoes like this before. 
and he was absolutely thunderstruck. He mm-hmm. thought these were the greatest things he had ever seen. Now, I had two different sources tell, describing the, the stilettos different ways. One was that they were blue with rhinestones. They were patent leather blue with rhinestones. Mm-hmm. And then one said that they were patent leather black with the uh, peekaboo toe oh, at the end. a little toe at the end. So I'm not sure which those were. But in the movie Mindhunters... Now, it's been a while since I've seen that, or the show Mindhunters on Netflix. They actually interviewed Jerry Brudos. I can't remember. real Jerry Brudos? No, these are all actors. Okay. Um, But they go around interviewing the serial killers. Right, Well, Jerry Brudos was one of the characters in there. And they brought him, and I want to say it was a black patent leather stiletto, Mm. size 16. 16? Because he liked to wear these shoes, too. It's just a little foreshadowing there. Um, anyway, <coughs> they were black patent leather with a peekaboo, I think. So I'm not sure what the stiletto looked like. But either way, he brought this beautiful stiletto home. He puts them on and shows them to his mother. Did she like it? She told him she lost her fucking mind. But she's Went been dressed right. Them in so how confusing, right? <clears throat> but uh, she tells him he better get rid of them. Well, he doesn't want to do that. These are beautiful to him. So he hides them. And his mother ends up finding them. And when she does, she makes him go outside and watch her burn them in oh front of him. Oh, my God. At five years old? Yes. You've been dressing him in girl clothes. He thinks To make fun of him. But he may think this is making her happy to bring this home. This will be something she would Maybe, want him to wear. But he described seeing this stiletto in the junkyard as like this thunderstruck moment like Mm. almost like I just picture this light shining (laughs) down on Uh, these raggedy ass stilettos in a junkyard and him being like oh my god that's fucking amazing okay so now he did not have a tight bond with his mother obviously but he did have a tight bond with a kind neighbor lady And he had a close friendship with another five-year-old girl. But the neighbor lady died from diabetes, and his five-year-old best friend died from tuberculosis. Oh, my gosh. And these were traumatic events for him. He even talks about it with his prison psychologist later. And in later years, these events became kind of intermingled when he'd talk about them. So they said he couldn't talk about one event without talking about the other. So he couldn't talk about the old lady without talking about his five-year-old friend. friend. Yeah, yeah. So, now in first grade, he tried to steal his teacher's shoes. She kept some shoes in her bottom um, drawer, heels. I guess she would wear flats into the school, and then while she was there, she'd put heels on. And he tried to steal his teacher's shoes. Uh, She caught him, obviously, but she just thought, you know, he's just... A kid. a kid, yeah, right. yeah, made him put it back. He also tried to steal a neighbor girl's shoes off her feet <laughs> while she was taking a nap. Like he was just going to slip them off and she wouldn't notice? And I didn't find a description, but he was very adamant about stilettos. So I don't know if maybe she had been somewhere and just laid down, was taking a nap. And he... Went in there to take them off. Like, I I don't know. They never described the shoes he was trying to take off her feet. So, but she woke up while he was trying to do this, and she got on to him. She's like, what 
the fuck are so you doing? So that was just another thing in his mind. He's like, my mom freaked out when she seen me in these shoes. The, I got in the trouble with the teacher for taking shoes. Now I'm trying to take the shoes off the neighbor girl, and she got on to me. So he realizes, oh, I need to hide it. Right. So <clears throat> he starts breaking into homes, his neighbor's homes, and stealing women's underwear and mm. shoes. I think he's a sniffer. He's a uh, sniffer. Oh, 100%. <laughs> you know he is. Girl, you know. Face deep in that drawer. <laughs> now, at age 16, he convinced a neighbor girl um, because he could. He told her, you know, all these thefts were happening. Because he was taking stuff off clotheslines, too, um, of women's clothing in the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. So, his neighbor, at 16 years old, she had spent her money and bought some clothes. Well, these things got stolen. So, to her, that was a big deal. She'd spent her own money. Right, on right. He convinces this girl that he was working with the police to try to find the panty thief (laughs) and that he needed her to come over to his house because he needed information from her. So, anyhow, he invites her in his house. When she gets there, nobody's there. And she hears a voice from upstairs saying, hey, come up here. Mm-mm, that's your first So clue. she heads upstairs, and when she gets to Jerry's bedroom, a big figure in a mask holding a knife threatens to kill her if she doesn't get undressed and pose for pictures. He forces her to pose in all different positions. Then the masked figure runs out, and she tries to hurry up and get dressed. And about that time, Jerry comes back in with no mask on, and he is breathing heavily and asked if she's all right. Because <laughs> like Jerry is a and... very big guy. Okay. He's very he's described as very strong, very big guy. Um, I never seen exactly what his height was or anything, but he could move like car block engines by himself. He's a big guy. And um, he's just going to run. Yeah, so in. he comes back in with no mask on, breathing heavy. <laughs> and he told her that some masked man had locked him in the barn and that he had just broken out. And How convenient. His neighbor girl said nothing. She just ran out of the house. She later said that she always knew it was Brutus that attacked her, but she was scared if she said anything that he would come kill her. So this wasn't reported till later on. But in the meantime, he had all these nude photos of her posed yes. in different positions. Yes. Gosh. So yeah. this big, dumb motherfucker Has puts on a mask thinking she's not going to know it's me <laughs> assaulting her. And then going to come back up there breathing heavy. Talking about, you all right? You all right? I'm here to help. I was locked in the barn. It was some masked guy that locked me in the barn. Like, she wouldn't know who he was. This shows you how fucking stupid he is. Right. There's shit like this the whole way through. I mean, anytime he gets popped, he ends up just spilling his guts anyway. So, (laughs) Now, his behavior escalated in April of 1956. He attacked another woman, and she was just 17 years old. Jerry managed to lure this young 17-year-old girl into his car, saying that he would give her a ride. And it was only supposed to be a short ride, but Jerry starts talking to her during this ride like they're dating. 
weird. Weird. So she's sitting fuck. there like, mm, this is getting fun. Not gonna be. This is not gonna end well. And she also notices that he's driving fast and further away from any of the main roads in town. Obviously, he's got her in the car now. Uh, yeah, he's trying to yeah. All ass. And again, this is a big guy. So he finally pulls into an overgrown driveway in front of a deserted farmhouse. She knew, looking around, that she could scream all she wanted to, and nobody's going to hear her. Mm-hmm. This dilapidated farmhouse didn't even have windows, and the siding was falling off. Mm. So Jerry dragged her from the car and started to beat the shit out of her. Oh. He brutally beat her face, broke her nose and her jaw, and he beat her breast real bad. She was all bruised up. All while trying to rip her clothes off. And the clothes that he wasn't ripping off, he ordered her to take off because he wanted her naked. The sun was about to go down, and luckily, a couple from a farm just a few miles down the road just happened to be driving by and saw a very large man feverishly pounding on something. So they pull in this driveway and shine their lights on the car. Jerry immediately stops and yells, she just fell out of the car. And he reaches down and helps her up and then says, she's hysterical because it scared her. Like, these aren't even well that, thought out that fucking lies. That doesn't even make sense. You're pounding on something. You're like, oh, she just fell out of the car. The, the stopped car. car. Yeah. And she's hysterical because she fell out of yeah. a car. That is parked. That, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. So the girl shook her head violently but was not able to speak well because her mouth was so swollen. Mm. Then Jerry changed his story and said, well, actually what happened was that some weirdo attacked her and I came driving by and stopped to help. She was fighting him off. I came up and he ran off into the woods. Mm. Again, they seen you pounding Pounding. on something. Yes, they saw you pounding. The couple didn't believe that shit at all. They insisted on taking both Jerry and the girl back to their house. And Jerry actually went along with them. Why would they take them back to their own house? Well, you know, they don't have cell phones in that. So it's like, we need to get you back to our house so we can call the police. So, But they insisted Jerry come too. And I can't believe this big guy agrees to go, right? But he goes and they said he is acting very meekly with them. You know, very shy. And once back at the house, they called the Oregon State Police. And being the fucktard that he is, he immediately tells the police it was him and that he had never done anything like this before. And all he wanted to do was make her take her clothes off so that he could take pictures. Mm. That's all. Oh, well, uh, in that case... He tried to tell the police he didn't know why he did it and that he thought his temper had just gotten the better of him. But they found his camera equipment in the car and they knew that shit was premeditated. Right. I mean, yeah. The investigators did a search of Jerry's room and found a whole bunch of women's undergarments and photos of nude women. He told the police that the pictures were not his. They were taken by another boy and he just developed them for him. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, obviously. And he said that... um, if he didn't, the boy had threatened to beat him up. But he's a big dude. Big dude, yeah. Okay. yeah. So, they're like, fuck you, Jerry. Who just pounded on the 17-year-old girl. Mm-hmm. He's worried about getting beat up for not developing pictures. Naked pictures, that yeah. That he gets to keep. Why would this guy beat him up and then let him keep the yeah. pictures of the naked girl? Well, apparently, he just hadn't gave them to him yet, you know? Uh, oh, okay. Yeah, he just developed how, them How convenient. Him. Mm-hmm. 
So <clears throat> at this time is when the neighbor girl that he assaulted came forward and told the police what had happened to her because she was now 18 and she felt a little more safe coming forward. Mm-hmm. Authorities agree that he is not your average juvenile delinquent. Like, it's some weird fucked up shit. So soon after he was arrested and sent to the Oregon State Hospital for evaluation, while he was there, he told them all his secret obsessions. He told them that he wanted to kidnap girls, kill them, and put them in a freezer so that he could pose the frozen bodies in <gasps> different sexual positions. Oh, but listen to what happens. I understand this was the 50s. But but, but he admitted, this is fucking crazy now. He admitted to wanting to do all this. This is what he fantasizes he about. He told them. Yeah, uh, He spills his guts every time he gets called. So <clears throat> he told the doctors about his stolen women's clothing collection and his obsession with high heel shoes. And so this is where I see different sources saying some different stuff. <clears throat> but it says some sources say he was diagnosed with just schizophrenia. He was actually released after only nine months. That doesn't surprise me because in the 50s, they didn't know shit about mental health. Right. And schizophrenia was a pretty blanket mental health term then. But schizophrenia. um, And then I seen in some sources where the doctors just recommended that, you know, he just needed to grow up and get back into the world. How the fuck you grow up Mm. from wanting to murder women and pose their frozen dead bodies? Right. Because that's that's weird now. I know that shit was fucked up then, too. That's something you grow up from. But then some of the sources say he was diagnosed um, with, quote, adjustment reaction of adolescence with sexual deviation and fetishism. I can't believe I said fetishism. I'm sorry, right. what? what? Say that one more time. Yeah, adjustment reaction of adolescence. Okay. Adjustment reaction. What the fuck does that mean? Like, I guess he has issues with adjustment, with adjusting to different situations. Okay. I, you know, so he doesn't have a good reaction to changing situations is how I read that. I'm not a psychologist. Okay. So I don't really fucking doesn't know. Doesn't take change well. Um, of adolescence with sexual deviation and fetishism. Yes. Bloody FM presents Hometown Ghost Stories, a paranormal podcast that investigates a new town every week, bringing you all the hauntings, from haunted houses to castles, bridges to asylums, wandering spirits to demons. Over 100 episodes covering different towns all over the world. Tune in to Hometown Ghost Stories live on YouTube every Tuesday night at 9 p.m. Eastern or on any podcast platform and find out if your hometown is haunted. Sexual deviant fetish. Yes, yes. Now, while he was in the Oregon State Hospital, he actually still went to high school, like regular high school during the day. They just going to put him in with all the women? With everybody. Yeah, he went to high school while he was still incarcerated in the the state hospital. Mm. So, (laughs) he just went to school and then he'd come back to the hospital after school. Um, But in school... He was kind of a non-entity. Like, nobody really paid him any attention. He was just a big, tall, pudgy guy with raging acne is how they described him. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So, he went on to graduate high school, and then in 1959, he joined the Army. 
He was discharged less than a year into service due to his quote unquote bizarre obsessions. <laughs> the fuck was he doing in there? Well, he apparently used to dream about a Korean woman coming into the barracks and fondling him, and he didn't want her to do that, so he beat her badly. He confided to his army chaplain that this was the dream he kept having. So the army chaplain said, you need to see the psychologist. And then he sees the staff psychologist, and he says, mm-mm, you can't be here. <laughs> you cannot fucking be here. Yes. So they kicked him out of the army. Okay. He moves back home for a short stint where he moved in with his parents in this two-bedroom house. Mm -hmm. His mother allowed him to stay in the spare bedroom, but when his brother Larry came home from college, she made Jerry move out back into a shed. Oh, yeah. So you can stay in the Again. house as long as Golden Child's not here. Right, gotcha. right. So his rage for his mother returned, yes. and he needed an outlet for this. So, one evening, he was trolling the streets, and he happened to see a pretty woman wearing a bright red outfit and high heel shoes. Mm. He sneaks up behind her, and he chokes her out, and then steals her shoes. She was left alive. Oh, he just he just wanted the shoes that Yeah, time. he just took her shoes. It's more about the shoes than the actual It human is being. all about the fucking shoe. Yeah, it's not like a foot fetish. He attacked a woman in Portland that was wearing some sexy heels. But she fought back, and he only got away with one shoe. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, girl. It's better than to have half than nothing at you all. Know, you know, she was like, fuck you, ain't got both of them. <laughs> you know what? Let's take a shot to her. Yes. Let's take a Let's shot to her. Come on. Fuck you, you ain't getting my shoe. Hell no. Cheers, you ain't getting the bitches. whole pair. Mm. Ooh, that was good. It is good. That was good. It's so smooth. Mm. I love it. I love it. So, Jerry ended up getting his FCC license to work as an operating engineer at the radio station. While working there, he meets a little boy who liked to watch Jerry, and he liked to watch him work, ask him a bunch of questions about what he was doing. Jerry actually described him as annoying. So, it's just a neighborhood kid coming up mm -hmm. but one day he asked the little boy if he knew of any girls that jerry could date and he was very because so, jerry was very socially awkward How he couldn't approach women himself yeah if there's anybody that i know he's you like you know date. any girls that would date me <laughs> well sure enough this little boy introduces him to darcy Meltzer. now how does this little boy know darcy um i don't oh I'm yeah. just curious as to how he picked this I guess lady. she was a friend of a friend in the neighborhood. Gotcha. Whatever. Uh, she was a 17-year-old described with big, pretty eyes and dark hair. And Jerry loved him some fucking brunettes now. Okay. Brunettes, y'all were in the lead today. <laughs> <laughs> Darcy came from a very strict house, and she was eager to get out from under her father's thumb, really. It was just all kinds of rules. 17-year-old wanting right. to do some shit, you know. Spread her wings and fly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Jerry zeroed in on the fact that she did not question his authority and she was too submissive to rebel. Okay. Because she was used to having a very authoritative father. Right. So that was familiar to her. Right, right. When she first met Jerry, though, she was not impressed. 
He was frumpy looking, and he had paint splattered on his pants. And she, acne. Yes. Well, <laughs> she didn't describe the acne, so maybe he cleared up by this time. Okay. But uh, she thought he should have dressed up more for their first yeah, meeting. You could at least put on some clean pants. Right, right. <clears throat> and she said that she probably would have never gone on another date with him, but he asked her to go swimming with him, and she loved to swim. So Jerry was not threatened by Darcy, and Darcy actually found him to be funny and full of jokes. Okay. Yeah. Jerry put Darcy on a pedestal. This is the only woman he ever cared about. The re- He hated women for the most part. Um, especially his, his mother. Yes. yes, especially his mother. But Darcy was different. Darcy, he always had on a pedestal. Okay. He treated her like a queen. Now, he did not like her parents. But at 17 years old, that's appealing to Darcy, too. You know, yeah. she's got her guy. He don't like her parents either. Yes. Because she feels restrained. Yes. Typical teenage shit. Um. <clears throat> He was also very possessive of Darcy and jealous. And at first, she said that she thought that this was just because he loved her so much. That sincerity. Right, right. And she actually felt protected. Mm-hmm. Now, later on, she said that she doesn't think she was ever really in love with Jerry. And later on, Jerry described their relationship is um, he wanted someone to sleep with and she wanted out of her parents' house. And that's probably uh, it just the bottom line. But, you know, he describes it so blankly here, mm-hmm. but he treated her like a queen. So, unless that was just part of his cover, you know? Yeah. I don't know. <clears throat> but he was a virgin until Darcy. So, because Darcy's parents disapproved of Jerry, they decided that if she could just get pregnant, that her parents would have to let them be together. Oh, that's never the answer. So, she got pregnant within six weeks, and they were married. In 1962, they had a daughter. And from the outside, Jerry seemed normal. He did not drink or smoke or even use a lot of profanity. He probably wouldn't have been a fan of our podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we're not a fan of weirdos jerking We're not a fan of Jerry Brudos either, so fuck you, dude. Anyway. But in the marriage, his sexual obsessions were ever-present. He would make her stay naked the whole time she was home, and she had to wear heels, too. So he wanted Mm. her to do chores, butt-naked in some heels. The things we do for He took a lot of pictures for her. Of her. Of her. Yeah, yeah. around the house. And he even wanted her to pose naked with heels on on their child's tricycle. Okay, that's weird as fuck. Wait a minute. I can see you wanting to have some. I mean, yeah, hot you got some sexy time, and you want to be like, it's me and my man. I'm yes. put some, I'm put some heels on, get butt naked, and cooking supper. Right? Fuck yeah, do you? Unless you're cooking with grease, then covered in titties mm. up, because when it pops, it hurts. It ain't cute with all them little you. red blisters I'm on. Here to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> but when you start bringing your kids' toys into it, that's weird as fuck. Right. And so when their daughter became a toddler. Darcy told him she didn't want to walk around naked anymore. Obviously. Because that was a rule. When they were home together, she needed to be naked. Let all the time. All the time. Yeah. Everything is not okay naked. There's good naked and bad naked. There is. Yeah. Cooking with grease naked is a bad, bad naked. Bad naked. We won't know that. Now, Jerry was very distant with his daughter. 
and never really had anything to do with her. If she tried to climb in his lap or kiss him, he would just push her away. And Darcy just assumed that he was jealous because their daughter took up so much of her time. Uh, but I think it was a, a women thing, you know, a woman right. thing. He a just, female thing. Yeah, a female thing. Yeah, yeah. That's an easier word for me to say yeah. right now. During the next seven years, Jerry went from job to job, and the family moved 20 times in seven years. Wow. In 1967, Darcy got pregnant again, and Jerry was actually excited about this child, and he just knew it was going to be a boy. And he looked at his birth as a rebirth of himself. Okay. That's how he described it. He wanted to be in the delivery room when his son was born, but the doctor left firm orders that he could not go in. Why? So when Darcy went into labor, they would not let him in the delivery room. And he was so upset, he could hardly even look at the new baby. And Darcy told him that she told the doctor that she did not want him in there because she thought seeing another man touching her would upset her husband. He's delivering a baby. He's not touching right, her Right, but sexually. I mean, you know, he was described earlier as being jealous and possessive. So I guess she thought... If you have to keep your husband out during the birth of your child because of some fear of some right. possession... It's in no way, if you've ever had a baby or been in a room when a baby was born, there's nothing sexual There's no, no about sexualization that. of anything of that experience. Most people are shitting and pushing out a huge human... What's sexual about that? Nothing. Nothing. Not a fucking thing. There's blood. There's fluids. So she couldn't even let him in. Yeah, she thought it would upset him. So. What a fucking douchebag. Yeah, this devastated Jerry. So he started wanting to steal women's clothes and shoes again. Anytime he gets stressed, he's got to go act out. Yeah. He goes to downtown Portland and he sees a woman wearing a pretty pair of shoes He decides that he'll just follow her home and take her shoes there. He watched to see what window was hers, and when he was sure that she was asleep, he broke in. Where is his wife and his newborn? Well, Darcy was 17 when they got married. So, she liked the fact that she could go out with her friends. And Jerry's mother actually loves his kids, just not Jerry. Okay. So, his mother was still coming to his house all the time to watch the kids so that Darcy could go out with her friends. Okay. And he's out. And he's fine with that because he's out trolling for for women women. to steal their shoes. And Darcy's like, oh, yeah, he don't care. I'm going to go have some fun with my friends. Oh, she hung out. And her friends were actually described as her sister was her best friend. Right. One source I read. So, I don't know that she was going out and just partying or anything. But anyway, once he was sure that um, she was asleep, he broke in. He initially intended just to steal some clothes and shoes, but she woke up while he was in her bedroom, and he immediately jumped on her and started choking her until her body went limp. Oh, my God. He was so turned on at the fact that she was completely his to do whatever he wanted to with that he raped her. While she was unconscious. Yes. Now, this lady lived. Mm -hmm. So, Darcy stole the birth of his son from him, but this had erased all the disappointment of that. These were the best shoes he had ever stolen. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. He just raped somebody after his newborn was born. Because he was so mad that she didn't let him in the delivery room that he had to go act out. 
So he follows a woman home. And is super excited because it's the best Yeah, pair of she shoes wakes he's up, he chokes her out, rapes her, steals her shoes. Best shit he's ever done. It's been a great night. I mean, fucking A. Crazy. So on January 26, 1968, a 19-year-old named Linda Slauson became Jerry's first victim. Linda was a pretty encyclopedia salesperson. She basically went door-to-door and tried to sell really nice and expensive encyclopedia collections. Mm -hmm. And girl, you remember back in the day, they had the Britannia, what was the? Britannica. Britannica encyclopedias. Yes. Like, you was a shit if you had all them. Yeah, because we didn't have fucking Google. We didn't have the internet. We had to look in a book. We didn't have Wikipedia. We had to, like, go to the library and research the shit. Mm. And the rich folks had a set of encyclopedias that would tell you about all that shit. Yeah, I mean, like, She's, it said when I was reading about her encyclopedia sales that they would just go out and you could try to set up um, payment plans for it. <laughs> and she would make enough commission off selling one set that she would actually be able to pay her rent. So it wasn't a very safe job for her. Right. She's having to go door to door, single lady, really pretty. Yeah. Yeah. So. She actually had a piece of paper with her with an address of someone that she was supposed to meet with about buying a whole set of encyclopedias. But it had been raining and the address got smudged on the paper. Of course. So she wasn't sure where she was going. Mm -hmm. And she actually seen a man standing in his driveway. So she thought she'd just ask him if he could decipher the address for her. And when she approached him, she told him what she was doing and that she was lost and he actually acted interested in buying some encyclopedias mm-hmm. for his children. That just gave him an opening. Yes. Because, I mean, that guy standing in the driveway, obviously, is Jerry, Jerry Brudos. Brudos. Yeah. And she couldn't have talked to a worse person about that. And so, for him, it was like the victim just came to him that day. Right. <coughs> so, she was so excited because she needed to pay her rent. And this would... Pay her help rent. her pay her yeah. rent. Yeah, absolutely. So Jerry told her to follow him inside to his basement where they could talk in private. He told her that they wouldn't be interrupted down there considering his family was home. So Darcy was not home at the time, but his mother was there watching his two children. Okay. And he brings this woman in. And takes her down into takes the, her basement. To the basement. And as soon as he gets her downstairs, he hits her in the head with a two by four. Oh my God. And once she was down, he got on her and strangled her to death. To death. To death. After he was sure she was dead, he went to his stash of stolen women's undergarments and dressed her up in different things like a doll. And then he was getting anxious because he wanted to have more time with her. But he knew his kids and his mom was upstairs. So he goes upstairs, gives his mother money, and tells her, you take the kids out and go get a oh hamburger. Oh, my God. Go get, go get burgers. I want a double cheeseburger. So his mom takes the kids and takes them out to go eat. And he goes back downstairs. He poses her body so he could take lots, lots of pictures. Um, he has a hacksaw. So he cuts her foot off so that he could model shoes <gasps> with it. Why couldn't he leave her fucking foot on and put mm. the shoes on? Why do you have to cut the foot because off? Because her body wouldn't fit in the freezer. If, oh. You know, so he then took Linda's body, weighed it down with a machine part and threw her body in the Willamette River. I don't know if that's Willamette. Yeah, it says Willamette. I'm right on that. Okay. He kept her foot in a freezer until he couldn't really use it to model shoes anymore. Oh. 
Then he took her foot, weighed it down with another engine part, and threw it in the same river where he had thrown her body. Oh, my God. And he actually threw this foot in when he was disposing of another body that we'll talk about in a minute. Oh, God. (coughs) Okay, hold on. Hold on. Shot. Shot shot time. Shot. 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 Let's do it. Oh, Lord. Because we getting, it's going to get gnarlier. Cheers, bitches. Here we go. That really does help. <laughs> All right, here we go. On November 26, 1968, he meets 23-year-old Jan Whitney. Her red and white Rambler had broken down on the side of Highway I-5. Rambler. It was a Rambler, girl. What is a Rambler? It was something they was driving in the 60s. <laughs> I don't know. I don't either. It's one of them 60s cars. <laughs> Uh, Jerry happens to come along and offers to take her to his house to let her call a tow truck. He's always at the right fucking place at he the just wrong had, Yeah, he took time. advantage. These two just fell in his lap. Yes, yes. And, you know, there were no cell phones. Right. She needed a tow truck. He offered to so help. After arriving at his house, he told her he forgot his key and his wife would be home soon. And then they could go in and she could call the tow truck. So in the meantime, they're just waiting outside. In the driveway. Or at least that's what he told her. While in his driveway, he strangled Jan to death and raped her dead body in the driveway. Oh, my God. In his his car. Yes. He then took her into the garage and strung her up with a (gasps) pulley. Why? Because he's a sick fuck. For a couple of days... He kept her hanging in his <laughs> garage. Wait, 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 where's wife? Where's mama? She was not allowed to go in the garage. What you mean? We'll the, talk about that some. She was not allowed to she go. She did the garage. exactly what he told her to do. Mm, tell me, I can't fucking. I ain't allowed to yeah. go in a room in yeah. my house. Mm-mm. No. So, but he kept her hanging for a couple of days. Oh my god! The whole time she was hanging, he was doing stuff like dressing her up, posing her. He took pictures. He also repeatedly raped her corpse. He also cut her breast off, (gasps) one breast, so that he could make a resin mold of it (gasps) to use as a paperweight. Fuck you, Misty. Fuck you, Misty. I told you this shit was was heavy. Pour it. No. Here we go. Here we go. Pour it. All right, here we are. No, that's fucking ridiculous. See, we need some fucking of this sweet caramel. You did not prepare. Look, I knew he liked shoes. You did not fucking prepare I did me tell you this for shit was some bad. titty molds. Okay? There are titty molds. He was never, never successful with that, though. But let's let's do this. Let's, Cheers, bitches. Here we go. Oh, my God. Mm. That's fucking r- crazy. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Okay, tell me more. Yeah. <laughs> And on we go. And on we go. Tell me more. So, Jerry had taken his family. Now, during this time, it was around Thanksgiving. So, Jerry had taken his family to visit relatives for Thanksgiving. While they were out of town, a car, a drunk driver, wrecked into the side of his garage. (gasps) Her body is hanging in there. Oh, my God. It put a hole through the exterior wall of Uh the garage. So, it didn't go all the way through. Uh. Just the exterior wall. But because the doors were locked, the police could not get in the garage to see if there was any damage on the inside. So they just left their business card. 
Holy shit. I know. I know. Could you imagine? Could you imagine going over there for a wreck or a bump up and finding a dead body hanging in a garage? No. I can't fathom that at all. That's crazy. So when Jerry got home and found the police card, he told his wife he'd call them back, but he had some stuff to do first. Yeah, but he fucking did. Obviously. So he hides her body outside by another shed. He cleans up the garage and calls the police back. The police officer comes over, looks inside the garage to see any damage. Well, and they and they then he leaves. Like that's a thing because nobody's going to expect a fucking body to be hanging. In the exactly. You think okay, they're out this of town was on just vacation. a bump up. It's Thanksgiving. They're gone for family. Right. They come home. Here it is. No mm-hmm. problem. Okay. Nobody's going to think twice. It's not because he's a fucking genius, right? Yeah. He just got lucky. Exactly. Jerry, after the cop leaves, Jerry uh, boards up the side of the garage and then takes Jan Whitney's body along with Linda Slauson's foot Mm. to throw in the Willamette River. He weighed Jan's body down with a railroad iron. All was quiet for a few months. And then on March 27, 1969, 19-year-old Karen Sprinker was home in Salem, Oregon on spring break. Mm Mm-hmm. She was supposed to meet her mother at a department store in Salem, and they were going to eat lunch and shop for clothes for Karen to take back to college. Right. Karen was always prompt, and she was very dependable. So when Karen's mom, I mean, when Karen when didn't Karen show up. didn't show up on time, Karen's mom knew her daughter was on her period, so she thought mm, maybe she just had some bad cramps and went home. There's no cell phone, so. So, Karen's mother found a payphone, called home, no one answered. So, she left a message with the hostess of the restaurant Mm -hmm. that if her daughter showed up to tell her that she had gone home. Right. And after going home and still not finding her, she called her husband's vet office and all of Karen's friends. Nobody had seen her or heard from her. And Karen so they had called been, the police. Karen had been at home, in her own home. Yes. And was yes. going to go meet her mom. Okay. Yes. The next day, the police find her car on the roof of the parking garage of the department store where she was supposed to meet her mother. Her mom, okay. And it was evident to the police that no crime had happened in the car itself, but they hauled it away to be examined anyway. So she made it. Oh, yeah. She was walking in to meet her mother. Okay. Yes. One of the stories that the police heard was that there was a large man that was dressed like a woman in the parking garage a few days before. <laughs> He's so fucking stupid. He thought if he dressed up like a woman, nobody would know it was him. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, he's not smart. Who is this? He's Nick just Delphi? lucky for a little while. He's okay. not smart. He shouldn't plan it. <clears throat> but aside from that and several bogus tips, the police had nothing. Okay. What Jerry had done was just as horrific as what he did to Jan Whitney. Oh, God. Dressed as a woman, he forced Karen Sprinker into his car. Mm-hmm. And when he got her back to his garage, he made her pose in different types of underwear. He rapes her. Then he strangles her to death by putting rope around her neck and using the pulley in his garage <gasps> to hang her. So he didn't strangle her. He hung her to death. Yes. Yes. Oh, my God. Yes. Once she was dead, he raped her corpse, takes more pictures, and removes her breasts to make resin molds for fucking paperweights. 
After he'd had his fun, he tied her body to a six-cylinder car engine block and threw her in the Willamette River. Why does he keep removing the breasts to make paper? He weights? is trying to make these resin molds of titties. Like he apparently loves to put titties. With his shoes. But he never could get the resin mix right, so he thought that they were too hard. <laughs> it was actually described. Thank <laughs> God this is terrible. But he basically filleted off a titty. <gasps> Yeah. And then he tried to pack it with sawdust and mount it and and pour resin on it. And it was too hard. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. He's a fucking sick What a bastard. Um, Darcy had heard of Karen's disappearance all over the news because this was all over the news at the time and was reportedly worried that something could happen to their daughter. Right. She's like, there's this psycho out there. Right. Well, okay, I don't believe that Darcy has no idea this shit's going on. But that's just my opinion. I think, because I read the Anne Rule book on Jerry Brudos. And she actually interviews Darcy. Okay. And Darcy was a very naive 17-year-old girl when he married her. Mm -hmm. She come from a very strict household, a very domineering father. So... It wasn't, she had freedoms to go hang out with her sister and stuff like that. So if Jerry said, don't come in the garage because he's got a dark room. If you open the door, it can mess stuff up. You know, whatever reason he was giving her, she's going to listen. As a, as a 17, 18, 20 year old, yes. Me and she now, doesn't know any different because obviously right. she's older now, but she me, was 17. This yeah. is all she knows. And me now, I would. I would definitely not. Yeah. But I would be like, as soon as he left, I'd be the first girl, fucking place I'd go. I'd be pretending I was asleep. I'm like, what is this motherfucker out here doing? Pretending I'm asleep. As soon as I hear that door shut, my eyes go, bing, and I'm right in that Picking garage. Picking locks like 007 I up got, in this I had that shit playing for a <laughs> week. Oh, <laughs> uh, anyway. <clears throat> So Darcy was worried that, you know, something could happen to their daughter because there's this lunatic out there. Darcy said that Jerry was getting more and more obsessed with privacy in the garage. He wouldn't even let her go out to the freezer to get meat out to cook for supper. Mm -mm. He told her, you just tell me what you want and I'll get it out for you. No. One day she did go out there and the door to his dark room was open. Mm -hmm. So she walked in and saw pictures of naked women. And she also saw pics of Jerry dressed up in women's clothes. She acted like she didn't know it was him. And he told her, because he come out there really quick. He told her that he was just developing some pics for some college guys. That's the reason for the naked women. And at the time, she didn't know what to think about this. Because she thought to herself, well, he couldn't be gay because he still wanted to have sex with her regularly. So she just chose to ignore it. Because who could she talk to about it anyway? Wow. So it confused her. You know, you, she's looking at her husband. He's cross-dressing. He and then you have all these, these other naked, naked women. women. You And he has her naked from the time they get married, you know. Right. She can't be anything but heels. and Right. Yeah. Now, she did start wearing clothes, obviously, when the kids got older. But right. still. That, I, I guess she was just like, yeah, it's just weird guy shit. And just moseyed on about her business. Right. So, by the end of April, Jerry was getting antsy again. 
he needed another victim. So on April 21st, 1969, he met 24-year-old Sharon Woods. He tried to abduct her in a parking garage in Portland, Oregon, but this bitch fought back. Get it, Sherry. So we're going to have us a bad bitch alert here. Okay, good. I love him. Sharon attempted to fight off Jerry's attack by biting his thumb till it bled. Good. Jerry beat her to unconsciousness, <gasps> but an oncoming car, I mean, yeah, an oncoming car caused him to flee the scene because he seen the headlights. Mm-hmm. And the police failed to make any immediate connection between these events. They thought it was just an attack in a parking lot. And that is random. In a parking garage. Yeah. Yeah, That's random. So, but in the book, in Ann Rule's book, she also interviews Sharon Woods. Mm -hmm. And Sharon said that as he was hitting her, she just bit down on his thumb. And it was almost like her jaws locked. Mm -hmm. And she said, I couldn't have released... If I wanted to, mm-hmm. it was her body's fight or flight thing. Right. And so she bit the shit out of his thumb. And of course, I don't have DNA testing and right. all that stuff, right. but it's his blood 69. was, yes, in her mouth and face. And mm-hmm. um, that's why he started hitting her in the face. To because get her to stop biting. Yes, him. yes. So she is a bad bitch. And I think we need to take a shot. All right. Let's in do honor this. Of Sharon. Sharon. Bad bitch. Bad bitch. Cheers, bitches. Hell yeah. Mm. It's so good. good. It's so good. Mm. Then the very next day, on April 22nd, 1969, he he attempted to abduct a 15-year-old Gloria Smith. 15? 15. She was walking near Parrish Middle School when Jerry tried to lure her into his mother's green Volkswagen. But she escaped. So he attempted to hold her at gunpoint and order her into his car. He even said, don't worry, I won't rape you. I wouldn't do that. But she obviously knew, you're holding me at gunpoint, you're full of shit. So she took off running and screaming and found a lady that was working in her yard Mm -hmm. and ran to her for help. And Jerry, being the piece of shit he is, he just took off. Right. So they didn't get the tag number of the car or anything. Right. And she described him to the cops as being a very large man with freckles. Now, I have in, like, in Ann Rule's book, you've got her name as Lyanne Brumley. And so I'm not sure if her real name is Gloria or Lyanne, but they did mention that because she's 15 years old, that may have been the reason for the name change. Right. So to help her conceal her identity. Right. Mm -hmm. So they are the same person if you see it two different ways. Two different ways. Yeah. 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 So Jerry had to be going fucking crazy at this point because, you know, his last two attempts were unsuccessful. He needed to let off some steam. So the following day, on April 23rd, 1969, just three weeks after Karen Sprinker had disappeared, he finds 22-year-old Linda Sally at a huge shopping mall. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here we go. He finds 22-year-old Linda Sally at a huge shopping mall at Lloyd Center. She was planning on shopping for a birthday present for her boyfriend. By the next morning, when Linda had not shown up for work at Consolidated Freightways, the police were notified and they were immediately 
and they immediately <laughs> took it seriously because of Karen Sprinker's disappearance. Mm-hmm. They went back to the mall and found her car on the sixth level of the parking deck. He loves some fucking parking garages, yes. girl. Where he can hide out. Mm-hmm. But just like Karen Sprinker, it did not appear that a crime took place at the car. Detective Jim Stovall, who was assigned to the Sprinker case, knew that Linda had been taken against her will. Mm-hmm. Jerry Brudos had acted like a police officer and had approached Linda <gasps> in the parking garage. You know, they they used to do that shit all the time. Mm-hmm. I've said I've had a story that referenced the same thing where they put on this fake ass uniform, fake ass badge. Yes. And pretend to be a police officer. Well, he told her he needed to check her stuff because they had gotten a description of someone shoplifting at the mall. So he made up some shit about a shoplifter to gain right, access right. to And she tried to tell him that she didn't steal anything. She even tried to show him her receipts. Mm-hmm. And he told her that he would uh, have to take her down to the police department with him. So she got in the Folk. car with him. Right, because well, w- you're not going to fight the damn right, police. Right, right. He later said that she was the most quiet victim he had. He said she never asked him any questions. She was just because silent. she was probably fucking terrified. Right. Right. Traumatized. Because at first you think, oh shit, I'm getting in trouble with the police. Right. I and then you realize. Anything, but still. Okay. God, what did he do to mm, this girl? That's bad. Oh. He gets her to his house in the garage and ends up strangling her to death. He rapes her, but he decided not to cut her breasts off because he thought they were too pink. Yeah. Uh, what? Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Wait a minute. Her yeah. whole. Uh, her skin type was too pink. He just described her, her nipple breasts is too pink. as being too pink. The so he didn't want to try to make mean? a mold of those. You can make your color don't come. You big freckled okay. motherfucker. You know yes, what? right. Just whatever. So he decided after he had already strangled her to death, he didn't hang her. Um, he strangled her, raped her dead body, and didn't cut her boobs off because you know. They're too They're pink. They're too pink. Whatever the So, fuck that he means. decided to hook her up to electric cables to make her body jump. <gasps> yeah. Mm, oh, yeah. my God, Misty. Yeah. But, because he didn't have her hooked up to a strong enough electrical source, it didn't work. So, it just left small burns on her skin. Oh, my God. I oh know. my God. What? He's such a sick fucker. I I don't even have words. But just, I'm going to put a silver lining here, if you can even call it that. Just know that prison's pretty fucking hard for him. And I do have a story for you. Is he in San Quentin? I've gotten some, you know, no. No, he was from Oregon. He was in Oregon, yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. All right. So there were just small burns on her skin. Oh, my God. Okay. When he was done playing with her, he loaded her body up and took her to the Willamette River tied her body to a car transmission with a nylon cord and threw her in. Where's he getting all these fucking car parts? Uh, in his garage. He just, you know. You just have transmissions and motors and shit laying around I think he tinkered garage? with some cars. Yeah. Here and there. But yeah. I wonder if tinkering with cars, quote unquote, was just a cover for him to have mm-hmm. fucking parts. That's crazy. I, this whole thing is so shit. fucking nuts. It really is. So, on May 10th, 1969, a fisherman found the body, body, (laughs) (laughs) 
found the body. Okay. Found the body of Linda Sally that was weighed down with the car transmission. And then two days later, on May 12th, they found Karen Sprinker's body 50 feet away from Linda Sally. Now, how did they find these? It was a fisherman. There were fishermen out on the river. Uh, Yeah. But they didn't float up. I mean, how did they? Apparently, they did. Even with the transmission? But you think about it, too. The bodies are going to bloat and and whatnot. So, I don't know. That's just what it said. Wow. Yeah. Now, because, I mean, obviously, they even had the knots and what he tied them to. So, maybe the current was strong enough to to bring them. I didn't see anything that described how they got there. It's just that they were found. And they weren't dragging the river. by a fisherman. So, they may have just been floating up and tied to something. Because it doesn't say they were on the banks of the river. Right. Um, Anyway, the knots that were binding both women to the car parts, weighing them down, were distinctive. Copper wire was also used and tied in such a way as to suggest that the killer had possible background as an electrician. The detectives were able to identify both bodies via dental records, and Sprinker's background as a college student gave the police an idea. Let's talk to the local college sororities. Mm -hmm. To see see if anybody else has any information. Absolutely. So this is smart thinking because it ends up being the break in the case that they need. Good. Thank God we because bring this Jerry fucker to justice. is a complete fucking idiot. Yeah, and he, he really will is. never stop, ever. No. Oh, absolutely not. So he had become so obsessed with finding another victim that he just started cold calling Oregon <gasps> State University students saying that he was a Vietnam vet with PTSD and he just needed somebody to talk to. Are you fucking kidding? He yeah. just wants somebody just to talk calling to. Just calling and, you know, hoping that a girl answered. Oh and he would even ask, it said in some of them, like for different na- like common names, like is Mary there? And they'd be like, no, there's no Mary here. And he'd be like, well... I'm a Vietnam War vet with PTSD, and I just need somebody to talk to. And so the girls are like, oh, gosh. Right. Bless your heart. Showing you pity know. for him. Yeah, exactly. So when the police started asking about any suspicious men, they heard all about these odd calls that he was making to the college girls. One girl even met with him one time in the dorm lounge. She had told him that, uh, you know, on the phone when he called, that she was taking psychology classes, and he told her that he had been at Walter Reed Hospital and had learned a whole new method of study that she might be interested in. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, <laughs> a she... A whole new... Me- she's she's what, in school for this shit. If there was a new method of study, she well, would Well, and know I it. think that's what piqued her interest, because she's like, oh, well, that's cool. What's new that I'm not learning about right here? And so, she meets him in the lounge, and they talk about dumb stuff, she says, that people talk about when you really don't know each other. And then, uh, he asked her if she wanted to go get a Coke, so they did. They walked outside, got a Coca-Cola, and during the Coke and um, combo, he did something that she thought was pretty strange. Uh, Obviously. So, drinking the Coke, talking a little small talk, and he put his hands on her shoulder and asked her to be sad. And she told him she wasn't to, sad about to anything. Be sad. Yeah. She wasn't sad about anything. And then he asked her to think about those two women found in the river recently. 
and he asked her if she was scared and said how easily she could be strangled. So when the police came asking about strange men, she told him. Right. Yeah, she told them about him. How did that end? He went his way, she went her way? Yeah, yeah. So then they just parted ways. Okay. So she actually agreed to help the police and let them know if he reached out again, but Mm -hmm. she didn't think he would because she told the police that he probably realized she was not into him. Right. But as luck would have it, Jerry calls and ends up asking her for another date. She agreed to meet him in the lobby of her dorm room in an hour because she wanted to give the police enough time Mm -hmm. to get there. Mm Mm-hmm. She told him she had to wash her hair. Mm -hmm. Because he was like, it doesn't matter. Just come on down. And she was like, no, no, I got to wash my hair. Right. Yeah. So, um, the police get there. Jim Stovall, the investigator, felt pretty certain that Linda Slauson, Jan Whitney, Karen Sprinker, and Linda Sally were related cases. So, he started to try to put a a profile together of the perpetrator. Mm Mm-hmm. And he noted that he was probably between 20 and 30 because the victims were young and most likely an electrician because of how the copper wire was tied, tied on the bodies. Right. And probably from a broken home or a home with a very domineering mother and a weak father. Mm-hmm. And he also thought that he may be driven by some pseudo-menstrual cycle because of all the victims. Um, they were all taken at the end of the month. So... May twenty, yeah, they were all around the end of the month that these women were taken. So he thought it was some kind of pseudo menstrual cycle that he was mimic- mimicking. Wow, that's deep. That's <laughs> some deep psychotic shit yes. right there. Yes, holy fuck. So May twenty sixth, nineteen sixty nine, he goes to meet who he thinks is the college girl that he's called and that he's already talked to before. But he has met with two police officers, B.J. Miller and Frenchie de Lemire. Thank God he ran up on some police. Well, they asked him questions. He is described as being calm and very nondescript. Mm-hmm. He answered all their questions, and they didn't have a reason to hold him, so they let him go. But they come back, and they report to Jim Stovall, and he's like, mm, he could be a possibility. So he starts checking into into Jerry yeah yeah and it was starting to look promising when they looked deeper into Jerome Henry Brutus they found a record of commitment to Mm -hmm. Oregon State Hospital for sexual violence as far back as his teens yes we remember that so the police decided to check into him a little more and they send the officers out to go question him at his house Mm -hmm. just as a casual visit Mm -hmm. he talked to the investigators in his garage and dark room And while they were in there, they seen some suspicious items. All sorts of ropes tied in knots, similar to the knots tied on the (gasps) victims. And they also noticed, you know, just hooks and stuff hanging from the ceiling. Mm. So they kind of make a mental note of all that, and they come back, tell Jim Stovall. And once Stovall hears about Jerry from the investigators, he thought, this is looking promising enough that I'm going to go talk to Jerry myself. Right. So, Jim and two of his investigators go back and talk to Jerry again at his home. And they notice his station wagon, and it fit the description of some of the reports in different attacks uh, yes. on women. Yes. So, they asked Jerry if they could cer- search his... <laughs> that caramel's getting thick, girl. <laughs> they asked if they could search his garage 
and he agreed. The garage mostly looked like any other garage, except it was divided into smaller rooms. They noticed ropes with weights tied in knots hanging from the ceiling. Jerry remained very calm through all this, um, but he even noticed the investigator looking at the knots, and he said, you seem interested in that knot. Why don't you go ahead and take it if you want to? So the investigator went right over and snipped that shit down quick before he could change his mind. Right. When they got back to the station, they had called the 15-year-old Gloria, or Leanne, right, in to see if uh, she could pick Jerry out of a lineup, mm-hmm. picture-wise. And she did pick Jerry Brudos's picture. She said it looks like him, but he has freckles. But the picture they showed her was a black and white pictures. So, so the, the freckles, freckles didn't show, didn't show up. up. Yeah. And even though she had identified him, the police suspected him of the dead girls they had pulled from the river as right. well. So they basically wanted to make Jerry uncomfortable and give him just enough rope to hang himself mm-hmm. with. Mm-hmm. And the police started to follow Jerry. For the next few days, he was never without surveillance. Doing a little surveillance, are we? Putting a squeeze on him. So after Gloria had told them, yeah, I think this is him, they're like, we got to follow this shit stain. On Wednesday, May 28th, a warrant was served on the two vehicles that Jerry Brudos had access to. He still appeared to be calm and very unbothered by all the police drama. His green station wagon was spotless. The inside was even damp. When they asked him about why is it wet in here, why is it damp, he said, I took it to a 50-cent car wash, and my son rolled the window down. They searched the car of a 1964 Carmen Gia, I think is what this is. And um, it says that they took lots of fragments of evidence, but they never explained explained what those fragments of of evidence were. Um, but apparently he had access to a 1964 Carmen Gia. Carmen Yeah, I don't Gia. even know really what that is. But it sounds like it might be a 1964 <laughs> type of vehicle. So, <laughs> even though Jerry appeared calm, he did try calling his lawyer three times during the search. So, he may have appeared calm, but, but he in was his mind, he was freaking out. the fuck out. Yeah. Exactly. On Friday, May 13th, 1969, an arrest warrant was issued for Henry Jerome Brudos for assault while armed with a dangerous weapon. But before they could get to his house, the surveillance team radioed in and said that Brudos and his family had left and they were heading north on I-5 freeway. On the I-5 freeway. They were getting the fuck out of there. Yeah, yeah. So, now, when they left the house, Jerry was driving the car. So, when they radioed in, Jerry was driving his wife and two children. Okay. Somewhere en route, they changed drivers, and Darcy started driving, Mm -hmm. and Jerry got in the very back of the station wagon and covered himself with a blanket. Oh, he's trying to hide his big ass back there. Yes. So, police were worried about him getting all the way to Portland. Mm Mm-hmm. It's a bigger metropolitan area, and they risk losing him there, and he could flee to Canada. And Canada don't want his ass either. Right. So they flipped on the police lights. Darcy pulls over, and Jim Stovall with two investigators come up on both sides of the car. Darcy's driving. The two kids are in the front seat. 
they said she looked really scared and as she was going for her driver's license they stopped her shined the flashlight into the back and seen jerry covered with a blanket (laughs) you think that they were not gonna see right i feel like a little kid like i can't see you you can't can't see see me they tell him to get out of the car that he was under arrest okay let's cheers to that this motherfucker who's been hanging these women and cutting their titties off for paperweights Mm -hmm. you're arrested cheers bitches fuck yeah Mm. we even spilled a little bit on that (laughs) one Ah. that was a big mouthful Mm. all right we got a little ways to go i'm still trying to keep it coherent here you know what part of our job is to get drunk and still try to relay this information (laughs) accurately if well, you fuck up a little bit, it's okay. Blame <laughs> it on the liquor. We're going to stop right here and let the liquor do the talking. Go ahead. <laughs> well, I do have some juicy shit coming okay, up, good, so it's going to be good. I want this motherfucker it's gonna go to good with. It's going to go good with some moonshine. It really good. will. Now, please take Jerry to the jail to get photographed, processed, and as he strips down to put on his prison uniform... He is wearing women's sheer panties. She <laughs> and look, the investigators in the book, it says that they just look at each other quietly <laughs> like, wasn't expecting that shit, were you? <laughs> and they never say anything to Jerry, but they said that he blushes like he turns bright red. Yeah. And he said, I have sensitive skin. So, sensitive skin makes you wear women's sheer panties. Okay, so let's clear up some shit here real quick. First of all, you know that all women's panties that are really sexy and cute and hot, you know that shit ain't really it's comfortable. It's not comfortable at all. You know all. it ain't fucking comfortable. It's for special you wearing occasions. It, yeah, you wearing it because you want to be cute. Yes. So, I find it really hard to believe that... The panties made for puss <laughs> are not comfortable on the puss that you throw in some balls and a dig. And, and it's, it's going to get any, yeah. Like, it's going to help his sensitive skin. Bullshit. The lace I mean, if I'm shit. wrong, please shoot us an email yeah. because I would love clarification. It's going to irritate. I like to learn shit. It's going to irritate. But, yeah, I'm just thinking, if it's rubbing me wrong <laughs> i know damn well it's gonna rub you wrong them balls it's gonna rub them balls right wrong. right that's a so. lie he loved wearing them sheer panties yeah i i don't even understand because as I, a woman i don't even like and i guarantee you his were worn and had a smell oh well we're gonna talk about oh. that too. <laughs> it's not as bad that was not as bad as you oh. think no, but <laughs> so at the jail Jim Stovall goes through Jerry's wallet. He finds a small picture of a nude woman. You could not see her head or feet, but you could see a craftsman's tool chest behind her. And he, he did so not know if this girl was alive or dead. But he was so fucking fucked up, he had to carry it around on his person mm-hmm. at all. Yes. He had to have it on his being In at case all he time. just needed to whip it out and Why jerk it off, I guess. Oh, That's, I, bet, I bet there was semen everywhere, everywhere. in that fucking station fucking wagon. Nasty and you know, bastard. he fucking came all in his mama's car. You know he did. He hated that bitch. He probably put it uh, on a steering wheel for her to drive home with. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking A. Continue. Continue. So, Darcy follows the police, taking Jerry to the police station. And when she finally gets to talk to him, 
He just told her that they were booking him on some weapons charges. And when she asked why, he just got up and left the room. <laughs> like he, he didn't answer her at all. Find out why he's And so being Darcy's arrested. sitting there like, what the fuck is going on? Okay, first of all, I don't believe that Darcy had no idea. She knew weird shit was happening. Right. I don't think she knew to that extent. To that extent. But she doesn't have any other history to judge that by either. It's True. not like she's had any other relationships. So to compare it to. Right. I understand. And he got her at seventeen. True. So yes. that's that's young. Yes. Very young. So he just walked out without even answering her question. <laughs> <laughs> so Bitch is just some weapon violation. Yes. I'll see you in a minute. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> yes. <laughs> So, Jim Stovall interrogates Jerry several times, and he tries to play at first that kind of cat and mouse game, Mm -hmm. wants to have him come up there and talk to him just to have some shit to do, but don't give him any information, you know. And Jerry Stovall is playing it cool the whole time, because he knows he's just got to roll with it Mm -hmm. right now, and that Jerry will give it Break him. He will give it the fuck up. Yeah. So, since Jerry thought that he was smarter than the investigators, he was confident that he could fool the police. But Jim played it cool and just let him talk, and he never came off as threatening. Jim was able to figure out that Jerry hated his mother and pretty much all women but Darcy. He also finds out that Jerry drives his mother's car sometimes, and it's that uh, green Volkswagen. Volkswagen. Yeah. And that's the same kind that the 15-year-old right, had reported. reported. So, Jim went up there, and, and there were multiple times that he went up there, and he didn't get much information. It was just some bullshit conversation. He's going to want the, Jerry's going to want the attention right, without giving anything Right. Up. So, during this different interviews, um, he actually contacts his, his wife, Darcy. Mm-hmm. Jerry calls Darcy, and he asks her to go out to his workshop and get his box um, that had some old clothes in it mm-hmm. and a box that had some old pictures in it and burned them. And since Darcy has never disobeyed him, she he felt confident that she would just do what she was told. Right. But Darcy was at home and she was freaking the fuck out. Obviously. So she calls Jerry's attorney and Jerry's attorney told her that it would be illegal for her to burn anything and that that could come back on her if she did it. Because it is evidence. Right, right. So Jerry didn't know any of this. Mm -hmm. Jerry asked to speak with Jim Stovall again after he had told Darcy this. And... This time, during some small talk, Jerry mentioned the type of women he liked. And Jim, he's always looking for a little slip of the tongue, Mm -hmm. some way to just kind of get up in there. He says, well, what kind of women do you like? And Jerry enthusiastically told him that he liked well-dressed women in high heel shoes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then Jim played along, and he's like, yeah, they do look better than flats or sneakers. And that's really all it took. Jerry spilled his fucking guts. Oh He's my like, you God. like shoes too? Like, I bet he was horned up as soon as he heard that high heel shoes. Up. Right, right. Yes. So he told them fucking everything. Oh, my God. He talked about having sex with his victims after they were dead and how he liked to dress them up and take pictures. He wanted something he could keep, a lot like Dahmer. 
it does remind me of Dahmer. Like you just want a submissive. Well, and that's being. exactly what he he just needed the body the to be submissive, submissive being. Yes, yes, yes. And he openly talked about trying to make a paperweight out of Jan Whitney and Karen Sprinker's breasts. And he didn't like how they turned out. And he said that he couldn't figure out the resin mixture. <laughs> it made him too hard. Jerry told Did he want him to feel lifelike? I think that's what he was going oh for. And he wanted an God. actual lifelike sculpture of the titty of the woman that he had fucking brutally murdered. Yes. So that he could, I guess, grab it and jack off. I don't know. Listen, I was prepared for shoes. I was There's not so much prepared more. for titty paperwork. There were so Holy much more. Fuck. So much more. I need a shot. Okay. I need a Let's shot. Let's do that. Birthday shot. All right. Cheers, bitches. Fuck yeah. Oh. Mm. 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 Yeah. My eyes are sitting low right now. I ain't <laughs> even gonna lie. <laughs> but y'all are hanging in there with us. My eyes are sitting live. <laughs> We're getting there. We're getting to the end. We're going to get been, this story told. It's been a great fucking story. This, he's yeah. crazy. Holy it's, shit. I know. It's insane. So, Jerry told Jim that with Linda Sally, that his wife Darcy had come outside towards the garage and he wanted to stop her before she got to the garage and she told him that supper was ready. Come eat. So he, Linda is still alive. Oh my God. At this point. Right. He tied Linda up, went and ate supper <gasps> with his fucking family, and then comes back outside to torture, kill, and rape her. Linda did try to fight him, you know, there at the end. He said, and that's why he electrocuted her was because she had just pissed him off because she wouldn't listen. Oh, my God. Yeah. So she was quiet this whole time because he was the one that she was, he said, was really quiet. quiet. He ties her up, goes eat supper. So she's alive. And the whole time, he's enjoying his fucking meal, probably excited to get back to her. Yes. And she's in there thinking, I'm going to have to fight now. Right. He's Leah. in there eating, thinking about what he's going to get to go do. Right. She's in there fighting for her fucking life. Right. Okay. So she fights him at the end, and that pisses him off, and that's why he hooks her up to try to electrocute her. Did he prefer them to be alive or dead? It seems like he did a lot of he, raping after they were dead. Yes. I think he preferred them dead. Because they were more submissive. Yes. Yes. Okay, but... That's not submissive. That's dead. And I think maybe with Linda Sally, and this is just my speculation, that because she was so compliant with him and he thought, well, okay, I can have a little more fun with her since she's not fighting me mm-hmm. as bad. Mm-hmm. I'll go eat fa- I'll go eat with my family and then I'll just come outside and really fuck her up. And, and that whole she time, she's like, oh, my God, I thought he was a police officer. Now I'm going to have to fight like hell. Now I've got to fight. And she was probably in shock and oh, just froze. Absolutely. And then while she's tied up waiting on him to come back and torture and kill her, you know, she's like, I'm going to have to fight. I still don't believe that his wife had no idea the shit was going on. She did absolutely know that there was some weird shit. I don't think she knew to the extent. And I think because she was so naive. And you remember, this is 1969. 
And she's 17. I keep trying to remember that or remind myself. So, yeah, she absolutely knew there was some crazy shit. But she doesn't also have anything to compare that to because she doesn't know True. what a normal married relationship should be like. Wow. So, yeah. And I know nobody thinks that your husband has a bitch tied up and hung up in, strung right. up in the fucking garage. Right. Because if you knew that shit and you were cool with it, you just as fucked up as him. Right. right? So, <clears throat> Anyway, this is when he told the police that he didn't like Linda's breasts, that they were too pink, so he didn't cut them off to make molds. Mm. And since Jerry has confessed in detail, a search warrant was issued for all of Jerry's property. Darcy had finally disobeyed her husband, and his pictures, the women's clothing, all that stuff was still at the house. She had packed her kids up after Jerry had asked her to burn this stuff, mm-hmm. and she went and stayed with her parents and never okay. came. Yeah. Well, at least once she knew for sure, she left. She was and like, "This shit's crazy. Something's not right. Crazy. I don't know what the fuck's going on, but yeah. it's wrong." So, <clears throat> and she gave that evidence to the police. Well, they, they found it. She they just didn't destroy. It. She packed right. up the kids after that and left gotcha. and went to her parents. So, police found all sorts of women's clothing. High heel shoes, girdles. Some still smelled like perfume from the women that he stole it from. Oh, my God. Some of the heels, you could tell, had been worn regularly. Mm. They found a box full of pictures. One was of Jan Whitney. And this is bad, people. Hanging in the garage (gasps) with a black cloak over her head. But there was one picture of a girl hanging from the ceiling in the garage. It did not show her face, but the camera was angled up her crotch. (gasps) And a mirror had been placed on the floor under her body so that you could see up her crotch. But it also caught Jerry Brudos in the picture. So you could see him in the mirror taking him. Yes. You fucking sick, dumb bastard. I know, right? So it was obvious that she was dead without ever seeing her face. So you didn't see her face in that one. are not fucking play toys. That's a person. That's a soul. That is not a toy. Those are the ones we don't need to feed. Oh, my God. God, wait. Or house. Talk about a fucking napkin baby. Hell yeah, he's a napkin baby. He should have been. He was arraigned on June 4th, 1969 for the death of Karen Sprinker, but was charged with the murder of Jan Whitney and Linda Sally within a week. Rightfully so. Yep. On June 28th, 1969, Brutus pled guilty to three first-degree murders. That was of Sprinker, Whitney, and Sally. And was sentenced to three consecutive life terms in the Oregon State Penitentiary. So since he had gave a full confession, mm-hmm. he just decided to plead guilty. Yep. And okay. Though he confessed to Slauson's murder, Brutus was neither tried nor convicted for it because he did not make and keep photographs of the body unlike he did in the other cases. But still, that family needed closure. And if he They never found her body either, it, so... What did he do with it? it? He threw it in the river with the rest of them, but that one just wasn't. And because he didn't have pictures of her dead, but he, he had just confessed to, to it. it. But he just confessed to it, and that's not enough. There's no corroborating evidence. evidence. I understand. Or corroborating evidence. Corroborating. You know that we are feeling it when we say corroborating. Corrob- corroborating. <laughs> that corroborating. 
So, on August 7th, Darcy Brudos was actually charged with first-degree murder of Karen Sprinker. So, his wife, Darcy, because everybody, a lot of people after Jerry was arrested thought there was no way that she he could have done all this horrible shit, and then his wife didn't know. Did she know, not just know like about were, it? Yeah, yes. just like you were saying. So, they suspected, they suspected, <laughs> they suspected, they suspected that... <laughs> They had kinky sex life and that she just helped him commit these crimes because she was like a nympho kink, you know. And she was in on it because how could you not fucking know that your husband has multiple right. women tied up in your fucking right. garage? Right. So, on October 2nd, though, she was declared not guilty. And in August of 1970, she divorced Jerry and changed her name and moved away. And you know what? Which I totally don't blame her one I fucking don't bl- bit for. I actually commend her I'd for I'd have cut the that. fuck out of there, if too. She can say, yeah. So, that does kind of lead me to believe that maybe she truly did not I know do, the I really think, of I it. mean, again, we're talking about the 60s housewife. And she's very young. Roles. And she's a housewife. I understand. Nothing to understand. compare this to. Like you said, she knew something was going she on. all guys were perverts anyway. Right. So but not naked to that pictures. extent. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I understand. And she took her kids and got the fuck out of here right. and left him behind. So, right. I, I commend her for that. So, now, this is where we get the silver fucking lining Thank with Jerry. God. Jerry was having a really hard time in prison, breast fucking hard. was he? He complains about his treatment and has reported that Jerry gets beaten frequently <laughs> by fellow inmates. <laughs> <laughs> so his big ass is beat on. Oh, so he doesn't like being held somewhere he doesn't want to be and getting abused and beat. Yeah. Really? He was reportedly hit over the head with a bucket full of water, and it actually broke his neck at C5. Oh. The C5 vertebrae. I feel bad about that at all. No, I don't. I think it's hilarious. And on January 1st, 1971, he was treated for rectal bleeding coming from his hemorrhoids, Mm. or they have it in quotes, other yes (laughs) i'm gonna go ahead and fucking tell you it was quotes other it was not hemorrhoids so jerry's big ass was getting raped thank god God. because he needs to fucking know what it's like to be held down i'm so glad this was one of those when i heard how horrible his prison experience was i was like i'm glad they didn't kill him so that we can celebrate this. Not only did he get ass raped, his neck was broken, just got his ass beat, beat. on a regular basis. He was down and out. Yeah, yeah. He actually died of liver cancer, which <gasps> is a horrible cancer to have. I bet it's aggressive. On March 28th, 2006, at 67 years old. And he was the longest incarcerated inmate in the Oregon Department of Corrections. He was a waste of fucking tax dollars. And you know, I just want to give a reminder of why we think it's totally fine that he's had a hard life in prison. He said when he was asked if he felt any remorse for his crimes. Oh, God, here it comes. He balled up a piece of paper, threw it in the trash, and his, he said, these are his words, I care about those girls about as much as I care about that wadded up piece of paper. Then I hope your so, rectal injuries Fuck you, Jerry. Horrible. I'm glad that you got liver cancer and died. I'm glad, I'm glad you that your asshole was ripped open <laughs> by some prison dong. 
Oh, I'm glad your neck was God. broken, and I'm glad you got your ass beat every day, and I hope it was miserable for you until you died. So he lived Long, till 37 years of torture. Yeah, he was the longest incarcerated inmate in the Oregon Department of Corrections. So he got 37 years. You know what? He had been in there 37 years by the time he died, yes. Right, right. Well, for his victims. I'm going to say we take two shots. We take one for the victims. One for the victims. And then we go on and dive deep and take one, one because Jerry had a fucking hard-ass ride. Right. Did but I even say that right? No. A fucking hard-ass hard ass ride. Right. But I knew exactly what you meant. <laughs> so we're going to double shot. We're going to double shot because it's your motherfucking birthday, It is bitch. my birthday. So we're going to take shot one for the victims because these poor girls yes. were duped into this for just being nice. Did not deserve this. This is fuck no. They didn't deserve horrible this horrible outcome for these girls. They absolutely and it's okay to feel bad for these serial killers that were abused as children, but the adults fucking know better. Yes, they fucking know better. I understand there are some children that reoffend, like fourteen, fifteen. They reoffend because they were abused, and that's the cycle. I get it. I understand. I feel horrible for them. But when you have a full-grown adult whose brain's fully developed, even if you were abused, you are at a place now where you know the cycle is not okay. You can you know stop. this shit's not okay because you that's why you try stop to hide it. That cycle exactly. You know damn well stringing women up in a garage, cutting their fucking titties off to make mold Molds resins is not normal. Yeah, or okay. So that you can have some I don't know squeezable titty as a paperweight. That's so and disturbing. then fucking rape the dead bodies. I wonder if he really liked fucking dead I people. I hope that than you had your ass beat every day. Every day. So let's cheers to the victims. Hell Poor yeah. girls. Cheers, bitches. Mm-hmm. All right. <sighs> One back to back. Let's cheers that you got ass raped in prison, you sick fucker. Fuck yeah. Hashtag other till you died. <laughs> Cheers, bitches. Mm. 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 Oh, that caramel's good. I hope my husband knows I'm going to be totally fucked up. He's going to have to come <laughs> get me. <laughs> I think he's well aware that he's it is your well birthday. Aware. He's a good one. We were drinking before this podcast, but we made it all the way through. We did. We made it all the way Eloquently through. Eloquently, too, I might add. For or at least a, we think it is right now. For such a horrible fucking story. Holy shit. I know. I told you it was a crazy, crazy story. So next week is our 10th episode. And with our 10th episode, there will be a celebration. Hell yeah. We are actually bringing in 128 proof. Proof. Blue flame moonshine. And you guys have been asking for us to get drunk. We're going to get drunk. I have a feeling. I don't know how 128 is <laughs> going to go. 103 is oh, a struggle. 100 is a struggle. 128. And I have to do the story. I know, Fuck. which I'm pretty excited about because I am not upheld to having to relay any well, pertinent information. All so. I know is I'm going to do the best I can. Again, if you are looking for award-winning journalism, <laughs> this is not your podcast. This is drunk <laughs> true crime. Hashtag drunk, drunk true, true crime. crime. Yes. Hashtag try vibe. If you enjoy hearing us get drunk, if you are getting drunk with us, if you enjoy true crime, then you are our vibe. 
You are a tribe, Bob. Tribe, Bob. You yes, are. what it was. You just missed the first word. It's fine. I'm sure you, they knew. You, our. You know. You. <laughs> it's getting bad. See, you, we got through the story, though. You are our tribe. And we appreciate the fuck out of you guys. Hashtag I just want tribe you to know Bob. that. <laughs> Fucking do. Hell yeah. So, we thank you for listening. Until next time, be good, stay out of trouble, or don't get caught. Bye, bitches. We hope you keep listening and find us on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok at Murder and Moonshine. We would love to hear from you. You can send us an email at murderandmoonshine at gmail.com. Thank you.